3: Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, happy birthday,
0: happy birthday to you.
1: I play that specially for my first guest on the show today, 80 years young on this very day, Paul Murphy. Welcome to Late Lunch. Happy birthday.
2: Thank you very much, Jerry. What a greeting.
1: <laughs> I only share, Louise will tell you this, I don't think I've ever shared, that's Kylie Minogue singing happy birthday with anybody else, but for you, young man, absolutely. Love ah, that. we're delighted to have you with us on this really, really special day. And, you know, he's even brought in, <laughs> I love that birthday card. <laughs> Look at that birthday car sitting on the table with the big eighty badge in it, Paul. It's big yeah. enough, anyway, isn't it? Oh, it
2: is, and it's it's so big. The eighty is so big that it's like the Great Wall of China. It'll be seen from outer space. <laughs> <laughs> I, I brought the I brought them in actually because because one of them is from from two of my grandchildren. Yes, who are uh, Alana. sorry, I beg your pardon, Hannah and Pete. Yes, and then especially a, a, a special one from my uh, my other uh, uh, grandson uh, askin murphy
1: and it's made. That's handmade.
2: Yes, it's handmade. Well. He did. He he said, you're an excellent
1: granddad, <laughs> E.G.G. And great man, Oshin. <laughs> Creativity, you see. It runs through the generations of the sure yeah. Anyway, look, on this suspicious occasion, and I thank you for coming in because you've been pulled left, right and centre on this day. Where did it all begin? Where were you born? Where do you come from? Tell them. Well,
2: you see, I, I'm... Uh, I, I'm uh, I'm a kind of a hybrid. I'm from Drahada. I was born in Drogheda, of course. I'm a Drogheda man, very proud Drogheda man. And then, of course, um, uh, my uh, parents were Dublin and Dundalk. My mother was from Dublin. Right. But then her, her mother died when she was nine months old. Yes. So my mother was in an orphanage in New Ross. And then uh, her father, of course, was overcome by grief and uh, for a few years and then he managed to take her out of there when she was a a national school age roughly and he brought then he had two sons who were in Artane Orphanage and brought them all to Dundalk and he started his cobblers business in uh, Bridge Street. So I have a, a very strong uh, Dundalk connection. I don't know, you're not supposed to say that in Drogheda when you're a Drogheda man, but, but I've, I have no problem with it at all. Oh, listen, we have yeah. so
1: much in common. I know there's a great rivalry, but there's a great crossover of families and business connections and everything with the two towns.
2: Oh, there is. There really uh, is, you know. I think then the, 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 the thing about, you see, the, the, the two major towns on either end of the county, you know, somebody once described it to me as same... Same, same, same world, different planet. (laughs) So that's 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 a fact, really. The Dundalk (laughs) people have not a blind bit of interest in Drogheda, and vice versa.
1: (laughs) Maybe it's the yin and yang that makes the county such a great wee county. Oh, that's right. If we could say that, that's right. You know, it really is.
2: And then there's a tradition of of people um, from from. Uh, the southern end of the county emigrating in the 50s, say, emigrating to England. Mm. But then the northern end of the county went to America. Uh, For instance, my father was from Muller Harlan, uh, James, and he he emigrated to Canada when he was a young man and helped to um, build the railroad out there. So um, uh, then when I hear lately about the poor uh, refugees coming in, And then then the people are talking about, what about all these single men, you know? I was a single man and went to to London and was able to earn my living over there. And then uh, I never experienced one bit of discrimination. And then my father went to Canada and it was the same thing.
1: I'm delighted you say that today, Paul Morphy, because we have short memories.
2: Yeah, we have short memories. Uh, We have short memories of the famine when we staggered off the boats in America and... um, it it, it it touches my heart greatly when i hear uh, when i hear about the, the plight of people who are running from war and terror and, uh, you know, we, we have to we have to try and understand them and, and uh, help them along if we can.
1: Well That's said, well said. Yeah. And Trinity Gardens it
2: was in Drogheda, was it? Oh, it was Trinity Gardens. Oh, <laughs> proud boy. We, we called ourselves West End boys, you know.
1: Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Pet shop boys. I can hear the song yes, already ringing my ears. So West End boys.
2: And... Um, <laughs> No, it was, a, it was a lovely place. Mm. Ah, no, it was a lovely place, Trinity Gardens. I have, a, I have a great spot spot in my heart for for the place. Yeah. And um, then you know, I I, I worked. I, I know I was. I'm working since I was fourteen. I worked in Mell Factory. Really. Yeah, and um, in the stores in Mell Factory. Um, and um, you know, at that time there could up to maybe four or five hundred people working in the place. Yes. And uh, you know, it was a thriving industry uh, uh, started by Mr. William McBrinn, mm. who was a fantastic man from Belfast. Yes. And he, he put that place on its feet, and gave huge employment over the years.
1: You're 66 years working. I'm just doing me maths here, me Oh, good. <laughs> 66 God. years, yeah. not out, as they say in cricket parlance. Well, you
2: see, that, that I've that, that I've got the you know I've got my parents work ethic. They yeah. believe, you know, put your feet on the ground in the morning and get out there and work. And that's what I do. I, m- I mean, last night, I was working up to um, uh, 11, half 11 last night. I covered a I covered a meeting, mm. in fact, of residents in Moynalvi for the Meat Chronicle. And um, uh, the residents are, you know, upset about the possibility of a refugee centre starting up in their village. Mm. And it was a very interesting meeting, packed mm. Mm. Packed to the doors. It wasn't a protest meeting now. Yes. It was, it was a, an information finding meeting, mm. you know. So um, that's what I do. You know, that's what I do. <laughs>
1: Isn't this man just legendary? If yeah. you want to say anything about Paul Murphy to us today in the show, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. That's 086-1800-658, WhatsApp or text me. Yeah. You, 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 before you got into the journalism, you mentioned uh, working in Mel Factory there as well. Yeah. You did also work in Melville, did you, in West Street and yes, Rojada? Yes, The ladies' fashion.
2: yes. Store. And that was just down the road from, uh, down the street, a uh, couple of doors down from the Drogheda Independent. OK. Now, I can't, I was in Paddy Dwyer's shop the other day buying a pair of shoes, and I was trying to remember which shop it was, and I couldn't remember. So I was given a, my sister sent me a picture, uh, breeder sent me a picture the other day of the number of shops there. So there was Imco, which is the dry cleaners. Yes. And Crimses and Connolly Shoes. But then after that, I couldn't, you know, and then Miss O'Hagan had a fruit shop, a vegetable shop on the corner, you know, so. um, Going back there, Paul, how did you get into journalism? How did that happen? Well, it happened. It it happened very simply because the, um, the, the, the man who was there in front of me as a junior reporter, Jack Lyons. Or he was called Shunda, uh, 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 locally, per Shunda. <laughs> oh, died and
1: relatively recently. Yeah, yeah absolutely,
2: yeah. absolutely. Mm. And he was, a, he was a fellow altar boy of mine as well. <laughs> oh, so you were
1: in the church from an early <laughs> age. I was all over. <laughs>
2: and uh, But he, the, um, I was working in Melville's, and then the Melville's had shifted up from Shop Street to, to where call, Hallmark Cards are in West Street. Mm. So I worked there in the what they call the household department, you know. Really... God, I, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't um, forget the experience, but it was so boring. <laughs> and then I was, I was writing all the time. I was hopeless at school right. at everything except English.
1: Ah, very important. So
2: um, then I, one day, um, my father uh, was involved in, you know, in the trade unions locally, and he was, he was in the, he was, worked in the Labour Party as well for them, and. Um, he was covering. He was doing a meeting one night, and he met the late Anne Kane. So Anne Kane was a journalist for the Dromahull Independent, and she mentioned to him that, "Oh, Mister Murphy, there's a, there's a, there's a job going in the in the paper." So, I had written some stuff and got a few pieces printed and so on. And yeah. then my father said, "Put all the cuttings in there," and I went down to see George O'Gorman, the late editor, and um, I got the job on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't rush back up to up to Melville and give my notice in. Gone. And,
1: what yeah. age were you then, Paul? Uh,
2: 18, right. Eighteen.
1: So that's where this yeah. journalistic career began. What did you do in the early days? Obituaries. Were obituaries a part of your? Remit? Oh, oh, abs-
2: oh, absolutely. I mean, they were a very big part of the paper. Yeah. And. Um, these days, what happens is the papers send out a form mm. and then the, the people fill it in. But then the reporters, some of the reporters follow that up. Yes. Mainly on the phone now or, or emails, you know. Mm. But at that time, it, it was, um, you know, you'd have to go to the house, mm. you know. And um, that's, you, you learned a lot from that and you learned to learn how to deal with people who were in grief. Yes. And, you know, and suffering, of course. And, and it would be done, you see, the point is the funeral would be sh- no sooner over than uh, you'd be sent. Yes. And now these days, uh, the people, you know, they'd normally wait for the relatives to come back to them. It could be yeah. a fortnight or three weeks, you know, yes. before the obituary goes out. Different times. And um, so uh, that's, that was good good learning curve there. And then, of course, you, you accompanied then some of the reporters to the courts. Mm-hmm. And the corporal, of course, the corporation. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, but yes, God uh, yeah. has got talent.
2: It has <laughs> yeah, got talent, that's right. And, uh, all the the corporation. Remember, and all the characters, you know, all the characters I, I met over the years, you know, in the, in the political field. Mm. Um, there, there aren't so many characters now because no. nobody wants to be a character or known as a character, you know, because they'd be dismissed too easily <laughs> or laughed at, you know. Yes. But um, at that time, yes, you had all the characters and... And, and yeah.
1: Paul, I'm just looking at you. Like, you, like myself, you have your smartphone there beside you and everything. Yeah. God, when you started. Pen, paper? Oh, pen, paper, yes. Pen,
2: paper and feet on the street. That was it. <laughs> yeah. I had a news editor once <laughs> who said, he, he used to pretend he was Lou Grant, you know. And he'd say, there's a million stories out on that street and I haven't got
1: one of them. LAUGHTER <laughs> <laughs> and Dr. you know it, it it still holds true today because it is a fact despite all we have at our fingertips, but Paul when you look at it today, Dr Google go in and Google anything yes online, you know instant news is like this yeah. now you know not like you know the paper come out, the local paper come out and everybody you remember them, don't you the yeah. Cochrane selling the drug right. independent and people waiting for the first copy off the printing press yes.
2: Well, you know, the, the other thing, too, is that it's, it's good to have memory as well mm. and that uh, things fly past so quickly now that it's hard to remember everything. Yes. But, so, so, for instance, lately, uh, as you know, the, the Alec McLean died lately. He was the former principal in Callistown School. Lovely man. And um, I was into, uh, you know, Alec was married twice and then his first wife died. She was Roisin McManus from uh, Magdalene Street. And I knew her, you see, this is the early 60s. And uh, I knew she was in the drama group. Now, when I went to The Wake in Annageson, um I met, uh, you know, if you like, Roisin's two, for, two sons, the eldest. One of them, Don McLean, he's a, he's a sports writer. And um, I was talking to them for a long time. And, they were fascinated that i had known their mother right Yes. and i said listen i i can remember seeing her a photograph of her in a uh, in a drama group st bridges drama group and i said i just i don't know where it is i said i've looked everywhere for it you see so we left it at that but you know what i did a bit of research when i'm at home and i knew i'd seen the photograph and then one of jim garry's nieces contacted me and up she pops with the photo- beautiful <laughs> photograph of the group, the drama group, Aye. fantastic. Ah, man.
1: but you see that's that connection, that being with the family, that personal touch, the knowledge, yes, it's you know, you it, wonder, is it are we at more a distance today in this game?
2: Yeah, I think that that and and then there's um. You know, that young journalists need to be trained, but then they're not getting the space to go out. And actually, an awful lot of them are, are like battery hens. You know, they're in the offices, they're looking into their laptops. Uh, it's, it's not good. You know, they need to be trained and they need to get a bit of experience of life as well. It's a big thing. There's no point in saying I I'll, I'll go to the media school and I get a degree and I'll be grand. But you won't because it comes all comes from experience. And then it comes from contacts dealing properly with your contacts never give away a confidence on your contact so important and I still have by the way I, I, I you know to be fair to myself I, I broke that story this week about the Manalvi um uh, refugee centre. Yes. And uh, but it was fair. I didn't break it myself. It was
1: a councillor gave me a tip off. So <laughs> off I went. You know. Wise words from yeah. a man who is working 66 years. Paul Murphy is with us on late lunch. It's his 80th birthday today. Sit there. Go nowhere, young fellow. We have lots more to talk about. <laughs> Paul Murphy is my very special guest on Late Lunch today. He's 80 years young. Listen to these. I'll just ring a, read a couple of them for you. Hi, Jerry. We're all listening very proudly to Dad and his big day on the Late Lunch. We had a great party for him on Sunday. If we live half the life he's lived we'll have done well love that comes in from Brian wife Samantha and son Oshin for you Oshin is the man behind that car there is he that that you showed me uh, the one that's made hold on when I go over here because there is more happy birthday to Paul what a great man to pull a pint in the cross guns with a paper under his arm that comes in from (laughs) I and P Smith I presume you know I and P Smith
2: oh yes Irene and Paddy thank you very much Irene and Paddy (laughs) there's more there as well we'll
1: we'll keep chatting when you look at your illustrious career because of course You moved on and you became, you worked nationally for the independent newspaper group. You travelled all over the world nationally in this country as well, covering stories the length and breadth. You came back as editor of the Drahat Independent as well. I have to go back to the story of the baby in the in the phone box. Yeah. I have to just mention today, I couldn't not talk to you on your 18th And when I tell you, talk about getting mileage from a story, young Murphy. Yes. You're still getting mileage right today because that was back when? 65?
2: Uh, 65. My God. 65,
1: just, so. just a little resume of you and this friend of
2: yours. Yes, Pat Bailey. Yes. Uh, we were coming from a, um, a rehearsal for a play, uh, one of John B. Keen's, The Year of the Hiker. And... Um, we were coming home by Lawrence Street and at that time, Lawrence Street was a very dark place. Yes. You know, we very few lights on it, mm. very little. And then we were walking past, if you like, near Paddy Goodwin's office and um, uh, there was a phone box out that, outside that and we heard a baby crying and then Pat, Pat, I think, thought it was coming from one of the apartments beside us or flats, as they used to call them then. But I said, no, it's closer than that. And then he saw that there was a, a pain in the a, a glass pane in the phone box was broken, and that we could hear the child. I opened the door, and there was the baby in a hold-all wrapped up beautifully, and uh, with, with lovely uh, blankets on him and all the rest of it. And um, I died nine nine nine. And then one of the um, one of the first guards who came on the scene was um, John Hannigan, and John was. John was from Cove, as he called Cove, but he um, he was uh, born on Spike Island. I think he was one of the last children born on Spike Island, actually. And um, so John arrived at the scene and then the baby was brought up to the hospital, the Lillard Hospital in the patrol car. And then he was received there by no less than Nancy MacDonald. Nancy was a nurse and still with us. Yes, and uh, I send her my best regards today, and um, it's, so the baby disappeared. Uh, we di- we didn't know after that. Myself and Pat never saw the baby after that. Now there was there was I was working. I was a freelance reporter for the uh, Evening Press at the time, and okay, we had a big splash the next day, and um, but after that the baby disappeared. We didn't know where. Then in two thousand and thirteen. He contacted me. <laughs> a phone call to the office. A phone call to the Drought Independent of office one morning. Amazing. And uh, and his name he, is. His name is the baby's name is John Dowling.
1: Amazing,
2: amazing. Amazing, and we're 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 such to, He's like a son to me, <laughs> or, or I don't know. Sometimes I think about. It. He's like a brother. <laughs> yeah, isn't that
1: just wonderful? And, and you can imagine 1965. The news that was yes. at the time. It was. National, international news at the time. And talking about international, in even more recent times, ITV came back to you, what, 2021? Yes. And that story is still being told. Yes, long lost families. <laughs> yes, long lost families. Isn't that what a journal dreams
2: of? A story like that, <laughs> Paul Murphy, huh? Well, I don't know. They they came, you know, and they put me through the ringer. They, yeah. First of all, they hired a little uh, c- cottage out in County Mead, near Platin, and they did a lot of filming there. And then, late at night, they brought me to Lawrence Street to march me up and down and filming this and filming that and cut this and cut the other. I was I, I came home exhausted. I had to be rescued off the street. <laughs> so, um, but uh, at the same time, it was it was well worth it because then, you see, the, 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 as you know, the sequence to that yes. story was that John Dowling discovered his... Sister,
1: Correct.
2: Eden, sorry, Helen Ward. Right. And um, then, and as well as that, then they discovered they had a brother called David McBride, who had also been found, uh, if you like, as a founder. Yes. You know? Yes. Now, these people, by the way, they have their own life. They're not defined by being found in those circumstances. Yes. They're not. They're wonderful people in their own right. And um, very lovable people. And um, I'm in touch regularly now with John and Helen. Yes. But not so much with uh, David because he lives in England. He's a solicitor in England.
1: My oh my. It's one of the most wonderful stories. Touching and uplifting stories as well more messages for Mr Paul Murphy on his 80th birthday Jerry Paul has a beautiful radio voice Uh, I don't know him at all but I've always admired and read his work that comes in from Anne today thank you Anne Christine you know a woman called Christine you do indeed I do indeed she just wanted to tell you that she's listening and she's so proud of you and that you're absolutely wonderful isn't that lovely Christine thank you and I'm sure that gives him a a great lift today uh, for sure um there are so many stories I could talk to you about. It's, it's incredible. It really is all that you're... The Pope, Pope Paul, Cardinal Montini. Now, yes. you came across him, did you, Andromeda?
2: I did. And you see, I was an altar boy at the time, but he came on a private visit to the shrine of uh, Blessed Oliver. Yes. At the time. Now, if you're going to ask me, which Pope did he become? <laughs> I'd have to...
1: I'd pope have to... Paul. He was Pope Paul. He became Pope Paul. Did he? Yes, Montini became Pope Paul. Oh right. Well, yes. because you see? I <laughs> You're all right. I, I have you. I, I have your back, Murphy. I oh, have your back. You have your back. Right.
2: I, I'd have to Google that, but yes. I, I, and he was introduced. Then he was with uh, Monsignor uh, Stokes, mm. and then Paddy Gerard was the uh, Paddy Jared was the sacristan. Yes. And then he prayed for a while at the yeah. at the shrine, and then and then went off. You know, it's 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 an amazing. Uh, Phenomenon to see um, the relic of uh, Oliver Plunkett still, you know, and what he had gone through. Um, I I was in Goa in India at one stage, and I was in a church, and I saw the remains of uh, Saint Francis Xavier, and um, it, it is an amazing phenomenon. I, I often, sometimes, I used to get young people down from Dublin as trainees in the Dublin <laughs> Independent, you know, to try and teach them a bit about journalism, and. Um, I, I'd asked them, were you ever in Droughton before? No, no, never. I said, were you ever on a school tour to see Oliver Plunkett?
1: Oh, yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> it was a go-to, it was a oh, go-to visitor's yeah. place. Oh, we better not mention, because we have to make sure we cover all uh, quarters with you today, Kilcock, okay. your connections with Kilcock.
2: Yes. Um, my mother's father was called John Travers. Okay. And then we didn't know for an awful long time. We didn't know that he had a brother in Kilcock. And uh, we then eventually in life came across his son called Willie Travers and Kathleen and their three daughters, Catherine, Edel and Orla live in Kilcock. Right. And they were found by my mother late in life. And it was a great pleasure to get to know them. They were at my party on Sunday.
1: <laughs> do you know <laughs> something? How did you spread yourself so much? Because you're north, south, east and west in the northeast. Yes. You have connections everywhere. You really, really
2: do. Yeah, we have and uh it's lovely. And then I've I've a I have a cousin on the Travers
1: side in Italy. <laughs> And um, <laughs> Oh uh, Paul, you have to have another party on the Italian side I Everybody, so. all the Morphys, out to Italy, quick Come on, <laughs> we have to, you have to do that out there Look when you reflect on your lifetime You know, 80 is a fantastic milestone You're mm. hailing hearty. you're working away still After 66 years folks, isn't yeah. this man remarkable so, Has it gone by quickly?
2: Oh, like a flash <clears throat> Like a flash Like a flash and, um, you know, uh, for a long time, ago, I was I for about 10 years, I was um, based here for the first of all, for the Droth Independent, but then for the Irish Independent yeah. in the northeast. And then the troubles broke out in the north. Mm. So I was doing that for a good few years. And then the next thing, then I was uh, transferred to Dublin in 1975, just just shortly after the show band, uh, the Miami show band uh, murders and um, then I did that for 10 years the commuting was was tough but then the, you couldn't beat the the Dublin experience you know mm. and then I came back then in 1985 as editor of the Draft Independent as you know and um, that was quite an experience too I had to learn you know I had to learn man management <laughs> and woman management <laughs> skills, which I maybe people didn't think I had, you know, but at the same time, um, we were like a family in the Drogheda yeah. Independent, you know, mm. that's true. No? And we're all local people, we all knew each other. And
1: will know? I tell you, that family absolutely love you, as we do, too. And I know it's coming up to the top of the air now and we have to say goodbye. But I just want to wish you again the happiest of birthdays. Many years of health and happiness to you. Continue working for as long as you're happy to keep rolling out those stories. You are one of the finest in the profession Paul Murphy Thank you Happy birthday again and thank you for joining me on Late Lunch today Thank you Jerry, And I have a little much. something here for you oh. from us here and uh, you'll enjoy that in a little glass this oh, evening oh, will you Thank
2: you very much I Happy won't, birthday I won't open it now OK
1: <laughs> Don't that we'll be off the air <laughs> <laughs> Thank you Take care bye Paul Murphy is still garnering the praise on his 80th birthday and here's a lovely one. Dad, I'll never tire of listening to you telling your stories. Happy 80th birthday from Sandra and grandchildren Dylan and Eva. Isn't that lovely? Paddy Goodwin was mentioned in the course of the conversation. Paddy's been on as well to wish Paul Murphy all the very best on his birthday. And there are more there as well. And we all join with those wishes. Now let's move on in the show. And I'm delighted to welcome my next guest back to the show. Can you see the smile on my face? Yes, you just have to have a smile on your face when Kyle Riley comes calling. Kyle, welcome back to the oh, show. It's
4: very good to be here, man. My pleasure. It's always a joy coming in to see you. <laughs> it's great to have you with us. Remind our listeners, you are a children's
1: entertainer. Tell them what you do.
4: I, I, well, I write and perform music for, for young children and, and families, you know, and it's not just about the kids. I want to write music and perform music that's entertaining for their adults, parents and carers as well. Uh, and I'm very fortunate to make that my career, having two kids of my own. It has afforded me uh, a, a lot of time as a father. Um, as well as being a musician and artist. Now tell them as
1: well, that accent gives a little bit away. Uh, yeah. You're living at the moment where? In, I'm in Oldcastle. In Oldcastle. Yeah, oh, I, I... An outpost up the north-east. <laughs> but will I tell you, I love Oldcastle and I'm very familiar with it. I'll tell you why. Because we fish Loch Sheelan. So oh, we it's go just down the road from, from me. Yeah, we go up through Oldcastle. You know what I love about Oldcastle? The sense of a throwback to yesterday year in Ireland, the square in the centre and the streets. It's real traditional,
4: isn't it? It is. And we are really lucky. I mean, I'm from the States originally. My wife is County Offaly. And uh, when we settled in Oldcastle, we didn't know the area at all. And we just, we, we just made sure that it had the few things we wanted as far as schools went, mostly with young kids. That's yes. the main concern. But the fact that it has a real sense of community and it's off the beaten path, uh, and yet it's very accessible it, it kind of ticks a lot of boxes but you know you've drapers you've got clothiers you've got multiple shops we've got probably the best cafe in, in the entire region if not country uh, in, in the town there, the Happy Cup i got to mention because they're just amazing um, and uh, and so we're thrilled to, to be there and of course the schools are brilliant I, I have one in primary and one in secondary now my son just turned 13 so I have a 13 year old in the house which uh, is quite a change but uh, uh, a lovely change
1: yeah th- the mindset sort of changes when they tip into the teenage years. I don't have to remind
4: you of that. (laughs) Well, I'm still discovering it, Jerry. I'm still
1: discovering it. I've been there. Worn the t-shirt. I'm not going to tell you anymore. I'll just let you learn as you go. It is the best way for sure. But back to Old Castle. It is a lovely. I have to say, it is a lovely place and I always admire it going through. And uh, of course, the accent you mentioned there, you're from the city. Where originally in the States are you from?
4: A place called Frederick, Maryland. It's uh, about 45 minutes from DC and Baltimore, um, right in the mid-Atlantic. And uh, yeah, I grew up there, was born and raised, um, started coming to Ireland in the late 90s as an actor and did a lot of work in Northern Ireland and uh, touring the country and then was in London as an actor and then toured Ireland as an actor in uh, the late uh, '90s and, and had a big acting career before I settled on children's music, uh, mostly in the UK. Yeah.
1: And, and, and how did you meet that Midlands woman and all that happened and why Oldcastle?
4: Well, she had a granny uh, that lived in Baltimore and it just happened she finished school she went to FIT in New York she's she's an amazing florist and designer and has a, has a fabulous business going at the moment but she started in fashion design and we just happened to be in the same city at the same time and we met and she did work for my theatre company we hated each other but we worked well <laughs> 20, what is it, 23 years ago. So, you know, it's worked out fairly well at this point.
1: <laughs> Often that uh, initial clash leads to uh, a coming together. I've heard that before, you know, yeah. I mean? with quite a number of people. Isn't it interesting? So there you are. Fate, what, what it meant to be. It was Absolutely. Meant to be Absolutely. Here you are today. You know, I I was looking this morning uh, when I was doing a little bit of checking up on you. You posted recently. Were you in Sligo? Uh, I was Sunday. Yeah. The oh, the place that were hanging out at the <laughs> of the rafters in Sligo and going mad for this man. That yeah. must be such a, a, a Philip, such a thrill.
4: It's a, you know I can't describe it. Because uh, it's just I get so much energy from the kids and the families, and we had we had we had over two hundred. I think we had two hundred and twelve in. We had the whole stalls filled. Um, we don't do the balcony because I just get a little weird oh, about well, the balcony. they could go
1: <laughs> careering over it <laughs> exactly. when you get
4: going. That's it. But we uh, we we filled the place, and it was uh, it was a joy. And I just love getting the the children involved and the interaction with them. And I I give them energy; they give me energy. And You know, there's no bells and whistles. It's just me. It's just mm. me and a guitar on stage. And uh, and 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 I love the power that that still old sense of performance still works. We don't need screens. We don't need flashing lights. We don't need a laser light show. We can still do this simply and beautifully with, uh, with just performing and being honest in our performance
1: well just hold on there just tune up there a second because Louise is coming in if you don't mind we're going to do a little filming here oh my goodness on, on late lunch as well <laughs> uh, because we want you to perform and we want our listeners to understand what you're all about what are you going to play and sing for me now
4: you know I'm going to go back to some of my original children's music that I wrote when my son was about six months old and I bring it back on the tour mostly because I have a 13 year old so I would like to think of, you know these songs are what inspired me he inspired me my daughter's a big inspiration so this is a really simple song i wrote just to get children counting and uh, and I, I doing it at Rosscommon and Sligo last week everybody joined in and it doesn't matter whether they're two or six or seven or whatever the mammies and daddies but when they're singing along with me it's uh, i real sense of pride so this is called little monkey and uh, i wrote it for my little monkey who's still my little monkey <laughs> who's uh, should be doing an english exam as we speak
1: a <laughs> <laughs> little cryptic message there Kyle Riley
0: and little monkey I'm a little monkey and everybody knows I've got ten fingers and I've got ten toes And when they set me loose There's no I can go With my ten little fingers and my ten little toes For One, two, three, four, five Little fingers help me climb the trees up high Six, seven, eight, nine, ten Little fingers help me climb back down again I'm a little monkey and everybody knows I've got 10 fingers and i've got 10 toes and when they set me loose there's no i can't go with my 10 little fingers and my 10 little toes for one two three four five little toes help me travel far and wide six seven eight nine ten little toes help me come back home again I'm a little monkey and everybody knows I've got ten fingers and I've got ten toes And when they set me loose There's no I can't go In my ten little fingers and my ten little toes Ten little fingers and my ten little toes Woo, 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 <laughs> I love
1: it. I absolutely love it. Oh, Kyle Riley, that is... You know, no matter what age you are, I see me smiling and tapping here there's something within, you know what I mean? The child is within all of us, mm. you know, and that, that connects, may I say? Because that's something I was to ask you. You know, you have a span of ages in your audience, mm-hmm. you know, trying to, what, you, know, you hit, know, hit them all. The
4: thing is, you have to give the children something to hang their hat on, mm. which, which I try to do. So even a six or seven-year-old in the dark, when they're in the stalls, will still join into Wheels on the Bus if they think nobody can see them. Because they know they're really good at it, right? They know they're really good at it. And, uh, and that's what makes that easy. But also I'll do some of my newer songs, which are pitched at that age, which are talking about m- things that are more interesting to six, seven, eight-year-olds, dinosaurs, monsters, whatever it might be, you know what I mean? Or, or even just the jumping and action songs that I do, you know, appeal to that. But I do like to bring back some of these that I wrote when my when my kids were really small because it's also for the parents of remembering what that's like and like being able to do these things like that's a simple song they can sing at home to their child gets them counting fingers and toes so there's mechanics and important parts in that even if it's a fun little tune that seems relatively simple.
1: But you know I see it with my grandchildren how they, they love music they mm. love song you are so right and how familiarity with it they, they never tire of hearing it being repeated. Do you want, no, you know well, this. Well,
4: this. is that's how confidence is built, right? And 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 people think like we as adults, it gets really easy to go like, oh my god, if I have to play that song one more time, <laughs> if I have to play that song one more time. I have this little girl who's. A, a, I have so many children that come to my classes that are brilliant. But I was in Kells this morning at the resource centre and have great classes there and all over. Um, But this one little girl, every week I have to do Old MacDonald, and and from the minute I start, she's like moo moo, moo moo, and she won't stop until I play old McDonald, And and I, I acquiesce all the time. You have to. She's two. You know, you gotta give over. But um, it's they it gives them confidence. It also they, they feel heard and, and 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 again, that helps them communicate. They know they're being understood, they're being heard, and they have the confidence to ask for something. So you know, we kind of yes. have to give into it in the sense that it allows them to feel like a, an individual and a, and a small person.
1: You take classes. What 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 happens at your class? Do you teach? I, I do. So
4: I do. There, there. You know, it's a lot of different things. I I really tripped upon a way to describe it this morning. It's about as much as it's about music and movement for children kind of under five, um, it's really about socializing through music. So I've got lots of babies from about four months all the way up to, to four or five year olds. And then during holidays, I'll have six, seven, eight, nine year olds. I've had, I've had children coming to me for nearly 10 years that still come and will dance and jump and join in with the babies because of the joy and the freedom of expression in that room. But yeah, I do, I do seven classes a week kind of in Meath, Mead, and Cavan. And, uh, and it's all for mammy's daddies and, and their children. And um and it builds up that confidence because they come each week and they join in. And I keep it flexible. It's kind of a drop-in thing. You don't have to book for terms or anything like that. Like yes. as a parent, I love flexibility. We all need a bit of flexibility in our lives, Jerry. <laughs> for sure. <laughs>
1: four months. From four months up.
4: Yeah. That yeah. is. But they, they have it, you know. Well, and it, it's, it, at four months, it's about the. Parent and the child, or the care and the child, having an experience together. Yes. And then you do that, and you build on that experience of parent and child, or care and child, for 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 four or five months until that child is strong enough and confident to sit on their own. And then they have a different experience. And as they find their feet and they start cruising and they start toddling, they have a different experience. So, although it kind of seems like one thing, at each age range, that that we 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 hit different things. Particularly with that four month to eight month, it's about the mammy, the daddy, and the baby. Responding to each other because that child will like certain things, and then it's up to the mammy and daddy to go home and repeat that. Yes. And then take those simple songs and repeat that to give that child confidence that it knows these things to get clapping hands and moving at certain times. And, and I try to replicate some of that in the show because there will be, although it's for two to seven year olds on the tour, um, there are lots of babies. <laughs> and so we got to get the babies involved as well, you know.
1: The other thing is, what would life be as Abba sang without a song or a dance? What are we? What are we? You know oh. what would life be without what you do?
4: It's we'd be de- it'd be desperate. I mean, I don't yeah. you know I don't want to say it makes life worth living because there's lots of things that make life worth living, but we wouldn't be as expressive, and I don't think we'd be as powerful of people if we didn't have the the power of music yeah. in our lives. Yeah, you know.
1: Oh, the. Uh, uh, without doubt check this guy out kylejamesreilly.com that's uh, J- R-I-L-E-Y yep, Kyle that's Yank <laughs> James R-I-L-E-Y dot com check this fella out he's simply marvellous now one thing I do want to mention uh, you're bringing your little folk tour. I love it. Twenty-four. Your little folk tour. Twenty-four. I, that has a lovely <laughs> ring about it. To the Solstice Arts Centre on March the second. Now look at the Solstice is beautiful,
4: but there ain't thousands of seats in it. You got to get booking. You booked through the Solstice. Book is through it? the Solstice. There's only about eighty seats left. Oh. Uh, I mean, we're up, we're up, I'm up well over two hundred. I think I'm at like 230 two, 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 two or two forty at the minute. So yeah, yeah, and yeah, it'll go in the next couple of weeks.
1: This will be the biggest hit with your children of their. <laughs> (laughs) lifetimes they'll always talk about it they'll bring you back to it 80 seats left going in the solstice March the 2nd book now or forever hold your peace I can (laughs) say that to you for sure go on give us another one there let's hear another one I'm
4: going to do a little lullaby and I wrote this it's a lullaby but I wrote this because um, my son would not stay in his bed when we got him out of the cot to the big bed and it was such a disaster I needed to write something that I imagined how bedtimes would be nice and smooth and easy because they never were so this was all this is called Good Night and it's a little lullaby Um, for my kids and that sense that we all as parents we'd love an idealized bedtime
0: good night my friends we had some fun today I'll see you in the morning when I go outside to play The sun is gone to bed now, so am I. Sweet dreams and sleep tight. Good night, my daddy. I'll see you later, so we've had a bath and bottle. Now it's time to go home The sun is gone to bed Now so am I Sweet dreams and sleep tight Good night my mama I'll see you really soon The stars have come out To play with the moon The sun is gone to bed Now so am I Sweet dreams and sleep tight The sun has gone to bed Now so am I Sweet dreams and sleep tight Sleep tight Sleep tight I'm nearly nodding off
1: here myself to be (laughs) honest with you. That's just beautiful. You could just see a child, you know, at night relaxing and going asleep at that. You are such a talent, Mr. Riley. Oh, I have to say, you, really are, you, really are, you are. You are. You are such a talented man. I think of Ed Sheeran on the guitar with just himself. The guitar ed and the pedals that's you when it comes to the children of, of
4: oh that's a high compliment I, really I am telling, I, really I know this I,
1: I've, I've looked at you i've seen you perform uh, uh, not not firsthand but you know o- online at your concert and that you are just something else and you really connect with those children Long long may you continue doing what you do because you're wonderful. Mentioning again Kyle James Riley R-I-L-E-Y.com for more information and just one chance here in the Northeast in uh, Navin in the Solstice Arts Centre march the second, the Little Folk Tour twenty four and already. That 80 number is falling in terms of seats that are available. <laughs> Listen, always love it when you come calling. Welcome anytime. Man, Lovely thanks. to see you and best wishes with everything. Thank for thank you for
4: brightening up oh, our man. world today, Kyle Riley. Thank you, Jerry. All thank the best, you. man. Thanks a million. Aha.
5: Aha, aha.
1: Yes, that is aha uh-huh there. Take on me, what a... Fantastic tune that is On Late Lunch this Wednesday afternoon Isn't Kyle Riley just the bee's knees, as you say about somebody. What a fantastic guy he is! And second uh, of March is that concert in the solstice. Your children, I say it again, will absolutely love it. Thanks to Paul Murphy, he brought in something for everybody in the audience. Wish I could give you his one today. Walnut whips. He must have heard somewhere that I love an Earl walnut whip, but I don't like the walnut, Louise. I like the whip, but oh, I like the whip. <laughs> Okay,
3: moving swiftly on. You like, you don't like the walnuts.
1: I take the walnut (laughs) off the top. Do you know what I do? I take the walnut off the top. Listen to this. Do
3: I not buy them then?
1: Listen, don't tell my wife this. I take the walnut off the top and I suck the walnut, spit it out and give it to her. (sighs) Oh! (laughs) Don't tell her. Don't ever tell her. She never knows.
3: Uh, I think she does now.
1: (laughs) I'm only joking. <laughs> You're standing
3: by with the shovel.
1: <laughs> and you go in the door. As I come
3: in the door, bing! <laughs> <laughs> I
1: can't
3: and believe you it, buy walnut. It's called walnut whip. Walnut whip. Why would you buy walnut whip if you
1: don't like walnuts? No, I don't like walnuts. I, well, love, I them. love I love the chocolate and the cream in them. But I use walnuts in, in certain dishes I cook with, but I just don't like them to eat on their own. That's just a little uh, 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 foible, foible uh, of my own. Hey, talking about food, Tato. A new flavour mm. of tato crisp called Tato Hearts. What flavour is it? Spicy, but it doesn't
3: actually say. I've, I've been what looking and I can't see what exactly ingredients to make it spicy. Yeah, I what think.
1: spice is it? Like? Yeah, they
3: just say it's their own little kind of magical
1: recipe. It's on our LMFM news. I just picked it up there from our news. Check out our news. All the breaking stories, local and beyond, are always there. I just saw it, spotted it there earlier today. Mm. Uh, the, uh,
3: look, it, the it's broth- heart shaped. They brought, Ahead of next week.
1: They brought this out for Valentine's, is it? Tato mm. Hearts. It's sort of like trying to ape uh kills uh turkey and stuff flavour, you know, yeah. at Christmas.
3: <laughs> yeah, but spicy, would that not give you indigestion? Well, Should you not just spicy. go sweet
1: for Valentine's? They want to spice up everybody's relationship mm. with a tato, bag of tato. You're we'll running for the Renny. We'll have we'll have to get them and taste them, will we? will try and look. have yeah. us, ha- anyone stocking Tato Hearts. I haven't seen them anywhere, have you? Nope. No. I haven't seen them. Maybe it's an AI generated story. Maybe it's not true. <laughs> maybe it's not true. Maybe it's balderdash. We're obsessed with AI today. It, it's well, her time of he messages. It, it. it could be. It could be. You. Who? knows? Anyway, anyone seen these tato heart crisps, or have you tasted them? Let us know. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. There is
3: other kind of spicy have, crisps on the market. Will, so I, will maybe I, I
1: like that? Yeah, will I have time to eat one of my walnut whips over the break? That's Without the walnut. Out. Uh, I've got, close your eyes there and I'll give you the walnut, but no, I, won't te- I won't tell you whether I've no, sucked thanks. it or not. Close your eyes, close your eyes. <laughs> no. Back in a moment with the dog. Lots of hearts crisps in Lidl in RD, says a listener there. So there you are. So they must be out and about. Tato hearts crisps. Yeah, there you go. Jerry, I'm exactly like you, says another listener. I don't like the walnut. Here, here, I'm after opening one. Louise will confirm. Would you believe it? The walnut was off the top of it. That's a fact. It must have been meant for me when I opened it. I love the chalky and the cream in it for sure. At least there's one of us out there in the world. Anyway, we move on on late lunch this afternoon. I'm delighted to say hello to one of our regulars, physician, Doctor Kate McCann. Welcome back, Kate. Hi, Jerry. Great to have you with us on the show. Now, World Cancer Day happened on Sunday. Of course, we were off Sunday and Monday, but we've uh, kept it in mind for Kate's uh, visit to the show today. Uh, you, you've been blogging about this, I see. How many cases of cancer are diagnosed uh, per annum in, in Ireland? Do you know the number for Ireland, Kate?
5: Yeah. The, now the numbers I have from um, that I have from the Irish Cancer Society is around forty-two thousand um, a year. Now these are some. Of these are are really minor things. Um, you know those that the kind of mole you have removed. That's non-invasive, non-melanoma skin cancer. Some of this stuff is is not is not always all a big, huge, serious diagnosis. But about forty-two thousand a year.
1: That's a quite a substantial number in, in an Irish context, given our population. Uh, Preventable cancers, do you know percentage wise or can you say how many cancers are preventable?
5: Yeah, see you'd have to break that down um, and it gets kind of confusing because you'd have to break it down by, you know, types and demographics. So it's you know, so it gets a little bit it gets a little bit muddied about you know, the statistics when we're looking at these huge numbers get kind of muddy. But we do know that a percentage are preventable, um and that there are ways that people can do to reduce their risk so that's not that's not all cancers and i think there's always that fine line there there are people who are genetically you know they they have been that that's the way they were born they have a high risk of cancer there's not a lot they're going to be able to do about it but what we want to focus on is for for many many other people um that there are steps we can take to greatly reduce uh, our risk of cancer we want to focus on empowering the people that do have that ability to reduce their risk okay
1: and prevention this prevention what kate is going to talk about the areas that can help us uh, prevent cancer it can't always eliminate as she said there because some can be hereditary genetic or or whatever but this is certainly evidence-based so let me run through some of the areas that you've been focusing on and let's talk about the sun and tanning and that type of area sunbeds no
5: Yeah, sunbeds, absolutely no. And always wear your sunscreen. I know we've talked here in the summertime about um, sun protection. Skin cancer is the most common skin cancer in Ireland. Um, All types of skin cancer altogether can be as much as 13,000 cases. And the the reality is is that 9 out of 10 of these cases are caused from UV damage from either sunbeds or the sun.
1: OK, so they are, they're skin cancer and it is a huge one and uh, it is treatable. But if it's not tackled, well, the consequences can be dire. But anyway, we can prevent uh, by avoiding sunbeds and making sure we have that. And that sunscreen, look, I I would use it if I'm out and about, say, well, if you're on holiday, if I'm out fishing now, I tend to put it on if I'm out on, on, on the lake and that as well or whatever. But wintertime wouldn't really bother with it, you know, late autumn, winter, spring.
5: Yeah. See, I think it's, I mean, there'd be evidence, you know, there'd be arguments uh, saying, okay, look, you have to have it on every day, but you know, erring on the side of caution, definitely. And, and I think the, the problem is, is that we think about it on a bright sunny day when we're doing an activity like fishing, we don't think about it, for example, on those earlier spring days when we're out at the playground, for example. Mm. Um, And we want to start that from childhood, our risk of skin cancer and starts with the UV damage we start accumulating from, from childhood. So, you know, avoiding those sunburns as a child helps reduce your lifetime risk.
1: OK, so your message is to parents of that as soon as they're out and about in the spring on good days, uh, consider the sunscreen for sure. Now, what we eat, we, we've, we've mentioned this ourselves before, what you eat is what you are. Let's talk about what we consume, starting with uh, alcohol. You've been on about this several times with us. Moderation, moderation within the limits.
5: Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, when, it, when we're talking just about cancer risk, the lower, the better. Um, and we know that our our intake of alcohol in Ireland is way higher than it should be, and and this is affecting women more than men. Um, most Irish women consume much more alcohol than our, our than our bodies can take, um, and, and it does increase risks of of many types of
1: cancer. The other one is highly processed foods and red meat
5: yes um and there's been a lot, a lot of research on that so we really want to limit um our our uh, intake of red meat um the the researchers at the moment have recommended that if you're going to consume red meat that be limited to, that we kind of limit it to uh, less than 500 grams of cooked meat uh per week if you're going to consume it um, and then processed meat um, just should be it should be limited to as low as possible. So processed meats are things like, you know, your sausages, your hams, your deli meats that are cured in, you know, salt and sugar.
1: Okay. So to uh, watch the consumption of those. On the other hand, then you have uh, physical activity. What do we do, need to do on average?
5: So generally speaking, the minimum we should all be doing as humans is 150 minutes of physical activity a week. I know we've talked about it before. That can be broken up and and, you know, any way you like. People talk about having to be 30 minutes a day. But, you know, if you have a day you can't get it in, but, you know, you want to take your big, long walk on Sunday, it averages out over the week. Um, And then, you know, I have patients, if you want to try and reduce your risk farther. and, And, again, it's not just cancer here. We're also talking about, obviously, things like diabetes and cardiovascular risk, those risks are also associated and we can reduce them too as we increase our physical activity anywhere up to 300 minutes a week.
1: It goes without saying, I should have mentioned in the context of alcohol, smoking. uh, What about vaping? This whole debate about vaping.
5: Yeah, so smoking is responsible for one-third uh, of all cancers, and that's huge. Everyone thinks about lung, but they don't always think. We, we also need to know that it also causes mouth, throat, larynx, kidney, esophageal, stomach, bowel, all heavily linked to smoking. The problem with vaping, um, and it's not recommended as a way to quit smoking, is that a lot of the chemicals in e-cigarettes are some of those same chemicals that we have in, in, in cigarettes. Um, we also, it also does damage the lung tissues, and we are seeing that. Um, and then the even the even scarier thing is that we are seeing a trend of that e-cigarettes are a gateway for young people to basically move from e-cigarettes into cigarettes. And obviously, you know, if you're starting smoking, that's a cancer risk. So at the moment, there's no, the vaping should be avoided. Um, we, there's a lot more research on couldn't possibly be recommended at the moment.
1: It's an evolving story, the vaping, for sure. Watch uh, this space. Where do you stand on the whole issue of uh, overweight and BMI?
5: Uh, well, you know how I stand on this. Body image, everyone should be, to be comfortable in their body image. But where weight starts to affect health has become a medical issue. Um, and we do know that, and that the disease of obesity is associated with increased risks of certain cancers. So maintaining a healthy weight can be a, a, a critical way to reduce risks of certain cancers.
1: Okay, so the way to be watched uh, and uh, being comfortable in your own body, You want to say that, as you said yourself, it, it is a very important thing too. Safe sex goes without saying. It's one that's been preached for years and years. Do you think that the message has dawned or is it just impossible nearly to get people to understand the whole area of safe sex.
5: You know what if you look at the our rates of things like syphilis gonorrhea and chlamydia they're still really high so the message to um the message to use a condom is still not out there. Um and and when we're talking about cancer risk we know that contracting HIV um or HPV um, can increase your risk of certain cancers and the HPV which we now have a vaccine against which is fantastic and um, is associated with 5% of cancers because um, we always think of cervical cancer, but there's other cancers such as anal cancer, and throat cancer that are associated with HPV.
1: You recommend the HPV vaccine for boys and girls?
5: Absolutely. Um, and if people out there are vaccine hesitant, I'd highly recommend. And the, look, there's a lot of information online um, from the Laura Brennan project and the Laura Brennan and Ketchup program. I think the, the real shame is that, that you know, it, it is an expensive vaccine and the catch-up program doesn't cover everyone. So there are people in Ireland who I do know would like to get the vaccine and it's just out of their price range. I think it's a shame.
1: Okay, so um, uh, w- when you mention it's out of the price range, there's no way around that, is there?
5: No. Um, there are high-risk individuals that uh, would be eligible, Um I think if you are if you really are interested in getting the vaccine, you're not eligible through a catch program, um, you can speak to your doctor. And I, I'm, I, there isn't a lot of work around as far as I know at the moment.
1: Um, Talk to me for a moment about uh, screening. You know, breast check has been there years and years and it's not been without its difficulties, as we all sadly know. And of course, you have the uh, bowel screening as well. Is is it really important that when you come into the age categories that you have this screening done?
5: Yes, engage with screening. So I think one of the the things that that needs to be clearly understood about screening is screening is for people that are not in a particular high-risk group and don't have any symptoms. If you have symptoms or you have a concern, do not wait for screening. Get into your doctor sooner rather than later. Okay. Um, and if you have been told that you have a certain, um, a certain high risk or you have a certain family history that needs a- additional screening, then to engage with that. So the standalone these, these standard screening programs are for people without symptoms, without say their doctor told them that they're a, they have a high risk, they need an additional test. Um, and so yeah, so if you if if you get a notification saying hey it's time for your bowel screening, hey it's time for your breast screening, hey it's time for cervical check, do it.
1: OK, yeah, I mentioned I should have mentioned the cervical as well. Sorry, it's on my list here as well. I just skipped it there. That's a very important one, too. So those three. And that's a a, a good point you make there. If you have symptoms, you've got to get to a GP immediately. Don't be waiting for screening. But screening, family history, anything like that, any uh, concerns, get in on the screening programs. Now, I'm just going to leave the cancer for a second because I want to ask you something topical here. And it's back to vaccination. The story about measles and uh, Mm. in Europe and that we're expecting uh, it to affect us here in Ireland as well. Uh, Quite an increase in cases anticipated. Um, A question for you. If your child has had the MMR, um, no need to worry. That's done and dusted. That's covered. Two doses. So
5: um, the first dose is usually done just after the first birthday. Mm. and then they'll be offered a booster um usually in, in around junior infants
1: okay so you're a big supporter of having both of those done without question
5: absolutely and um, you know and i always like to tell patients that um I, you know i have a lot of advantages I'm, I'm a doctor so when patients ask me do you know what's in these vaccines yes i know what's in these vaccines and i'm a mother i have two children i love them very much same as everyone loves their their children and if i thought the vaccines had a risk to them or wasn't necessary, then I wouldn't do it, but I know what's in the vaccines. Vaccinate my own children. I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, And vaccines have been a victim of their own success. We've forgotten really what these diseases like, like measles and mumps can do to children. Um, and I think, and there's been, uh, Dr. Niamh Lynch is a pediatrician. She's online. She's talking a lot about it. She's talked about the statistics in the last measles outbreak in Ireland, which was 1999. And there were children in ICU and there were children hospitalized and there were children who died. And so measles, uh, why we've forgotten, it is a serious disease and it can be prevented.
1: If you're listening today and you haven't had your children vaccinated, you haven't got the MMR. What's your advice? There may be children older than, you know, the ages you've mentioned there who are not vaccinated or even into teens or whatever. Is it too late? Can vaccination happen?
5: So absolutely. Um, I've had, um, I only see patients over the age of 16. So I have patients who haven't been vaccinated, who when they come into teenage years, they are now looking to get vaccinated for whatever reasons, including HPV, and so, if a child's over the age of 16, especially over the age of 18, they can make their own informed decision. Um, if you're a parent and you've been vaccine hesitant, and, I, and given the noise, misinformation out there on vaccines, I don't blame any pa- parent um, who would just say, well, like, they can't, like, there's so much noise and misinformation out there, but they really should engage with trusted resources. And your GP or your public health nurse is an excellent resource to start with um and to get get trusted real information
1: and two jabs as well required regardless of your age or one when you're older
5: and um, i'm not I, i'd have to look that up with the adult series is um, the the childhood vaccination when we are when we starting from scratch with adults the vaccination schedule is a little bit different okay. I have to actually look okay that but they
1: you'll be advised sorry, no, sorry I put you in the spot there you'll be advised uh, by your uh, medical practitioner as Kate says there as to what's involved there's certainly one jab uh, there may be two as as your age advances but that's that's only a minor detail listen you've been very good covering the main uh, areas of cancer prevention evidence based that we can do ourselves. And thank you for uh, talking to us there about vaccination and the measles as well. Until next month, Dr. Kate McCann, check her out. Uh, Her website is mdoc.ie. Thank you so much for joining us as always.
5: Thanks so much, Jerry.
1: Take care. Bye. That's Dr. Kate McCann, our physician on Late Lunch. Yes, thank you uh, to Sean Collins, our good friend, Sean, who uh, was listening in. I hope he's still listening in uh, to our chat with Paul Murphy earlier on in the show. I see uh, Sean has uh, wished Paul a very happy birthday, Louise. And he's just saying to him uh, that this birthday, Paul, is becoming like the 12 days of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Sean. And so
3: it should be.
1: It should yeah. be. It should, sure Sean, of course, at 80 years of age, Sean was listening to a ball describe. Remember, he was talking about he worked in Melville's, the the ladies' fashion store. Sean was on to say, Sean has just planned out a map of Dyer Street, Chop Street, and Drogheda for me on the day, saying you had O'Callan's Butchers, O'Hagan's Fruit Shop, Melville's Connolly's. Impco dry cleaners, Crimmins, the Draught Independent, Foxes, Gallagher's, and later Charlie McGee's. There you go. Uh, not Foxes, sorry, Craig's duelist, Sean, just Oh, gone. PS there. Uh, well no, 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 no. Hold on a minute. You have me there, well I see. Um Oh no O'Callaghan's, no Hagen's fruit shop, no Melville's, no Connolly's, no Impco. Crimmins is gone r- relatively recently. The draught independent gone. Foxes Jewelers are still on shop now. Ah. Isn't that nice to uh, remember? Foxes are the ones that have survived out of those listed there. There you go. Many familiar names there in businesses of yesteryear. Interesting what Dr. Kate had to say, wasn't it? About the vaccination and the mm. MMR and her own children and why she believes etc. Dr. Neve Lynch, we'll have to check her out. She is um, a lot to say about measles, mumps, and rubella.
3: I must just check because she said mentioned junior infants. Then I wonder. You know, with COVID and all that. Yeah. I wonder if certain kids starting school didn't get it because of COVID. Mm. Want to check?
1: Potentially, you need to check out all right. But I think what people are blase about is, as she said, the potential effects of measles and mumps Mm. on children. You know, they're not just running the mill. They can lead to a lot of issues. And I say it again, and we got blasted. You know this during the pandemic here. I am pro-vaccination. I've had more needles than there is In the pin cushions of the greatest pin people in the world. You still
3: don't like walnuts?
1: No. No, and I don't think there's a vaccine for that either, (laughs) to be honest with you. But my wife loves them, especially when I give them to her off the walnut whip. We're not going back there. John Conlon says I'm going to be met by a whip at the door tonight. (laughs) But it won't be the one I was thinking of. You're probably right, John. Up to three we go in the company of, yes, the wonderful Miley Cyrus. And we used to be young. We all did one day. Tempest Fugit. Here she is. Stay with us on Late Lunch.
3: Truth is bulletproof, there's no fool in you I don't dress the same
1: Nice to hear from you, Pat Donaghy. She's been on to extend the happiest of birthday wishes to Paul Murphy. Hope you're keeping well, Pat. Lovely to hear from you on the show this afternoon. Another listener on to say, yes, junior infants did get the MMR jabs during COVID. Thanks for that clarification there. Just to remind you that it's Valentine's week next week and love is in the air, even with LMFM radio bingo. Yes, love is in the air. We're adding a thousand euro to next week's jackpot. to bring it up to €6,600. We're very generous people. Congratulations to our recent winners, Jackie Bambridge from Kells and Anne O'Reilly, who's in Navin, who each picked up €400 Euro each. Make sure you play to win the big jackpot. You can buy our radio bingo books from outlets across the northeast. And good luck to you next week with that lovely jackpot prize there. Now let's roll this on Late Lunch.
4: The Late Lunch Artist Artist of the Week
1: Artist of the Week Yes, it's Tracy Chapman this week and she signed with Electric uh, Electra, should I say, Records in 1987, releasing her first album in her own name She simply called it Tracy Chapman which was immediately, critically acclaimed After its release, she performed at Nelson Mandela's 70th birthday concert at Wembley Stadium in London She played in the afternoon but as luck would have it Stevie Wonder couldn't get his uh, music working so she had to jump in in the prime evening session and she brought the house down again with her second performance and of course she reached a huge worldwide audience that saw her album, that album I mentioned and the single sales of Fast Car, that was the first single from that album, Rocket Worldwide. She cleaned up at that year's Grammy Awards, winning three, including Best New Artist. Her next album arrived in 1989. It was called Crossroads. It did really well. Well, Platinum. Manners of the Heart followed in 92. And then her fourth album, A New Beginning, in 1994, was absolutely huge. Selling five million copies in a very short space of time in the USA alone. So for today, I'm taking my song from that big, big album called New Beginning. It's called... Give me one good reason. Powerful, beautiful. Have a listen. Fantastic song that is. Give me one reason from my Artist of the Week, Tracy Chapman, on your late lunch. Final break of the day on the way and we're going to find out what goes on under the thatched roof. I have a copy of the Sunday Independent Life magazine sitting here in front of me and as I leaf through the pages... There's my next guest, smiling broadly, holding a horse, standing in front of a beautiful thatched cottage. Aren't you the luckiest woman in the world, Fiona Coyne?
6: I am, and I know it. <laughs> <laughs> and you in your
1: hunter boots too. Are they hunters you have on you yeah?
6: They are and you know I know they're like they're pricey and they're brandy but they work and they last forever so I think they're a good investment.
1: I am with you all the way there. You get what you pay for and the hunters are fantastic. Tell us about the <laughs> tell us about the horse you're holding. Tell us about is that a boy or a girl or what's the
6: story? That's a girl that's Lucy and Lucy is a mare she's had a number of prize winning foes and she's owned by a good friend of mine called Sharon Walsh and um, she's a Connemara pony So she's a hardy Irish native girl and she has the loveliest temperament. Um, I work with her for equine assisted therapy. So um, she's wonderful with adolescents and adults working through their different issues
1: you have so many strings to your bow what a talent you a therapist a counselor and as you mentioned the equine assisted uh, learning uh, as well i'm going to get onto that in a moment but tell me about this beautiful cottage and the thatched roof oh i'm i'm so jealous it's gorgeous
6: thank you i'm so lucky um i looked for 5 years for somewhere to live and work and I was very conscious of um, having something that was in nature because all of our lives are so busy on phones and on devices and in traffic. And um, there's a lot of research around the fact that humans feel better in nature. It's called the biophilia hypothesis. And all you have to do is remember how you feel when you step out of your car going for a walk or at the beach or in a forest or something so... Unfortunately, we've lost our connection with nature and anxiety and stress are at an all time high. So I was very sure that I wanted something that was in nature and that people could come out to and automatically feel better. Like before they even stepped into the therapy room or had a chat with me and um, even all of the workers on the cottage and things in the last few months they just get out of their cars or vans and they look up in awe and it's kind of childlike, you know. <laughs> mm.
1: It's beautiful, it's it really is and the thatch is gorgeous on it. Well, well, uh, you've done a lot of work. That's why you were featured in the Cindo, because it is under the My Favourite Room which I enjoy reading uh, each week and it is, you are in County Mead. It's a 200-year-old thatch cottage. When was that thatch done last? It
6: was done about 25 years ago. Was and it? Um, Oh my yeah. God. It's in brilliant nick. Isn't and it? I met the Thatcher recently, and he remembers the day he Thatched it, and there was a Thatch party then afterwards. Right. And. If you can see the little part of the top, the ridge at the top. Yeah. Um, so that needs to be replaced shortly. Okay. So he's already working on that in his workshop and he'll come down next month and replace that.
1: Very good. Is it, uh, you know, you're you're in the place a while. Does it give good retention? Is it? Is it insulating? You know, very few of us yeah. will experience living in a thatch.
6: Yeah, so I'm, I'm only here since the end of September. So we're yeah. only here a few months. But okay. it is snug as a bug. I've <laughs> never known anything like the snugness and the the house looks imposing and big. It's actually teeny in the inside because mm. the walls are so thick. And then with the thatch, even with the stormiest night, uh, and it's been pretty stormy the last few months, yes. I don't hear a thing. You know, there's single glazed um, sash windows, timber sash windows, so really I should be rattled out of it, but it's so snug. It's, mm. it's just that natural insulation that yeah. It keeps the heat in, it keeps out the sound, and, um, Honestly, I feel
1: like I'm on holidays every day. Oh, isn't that (laughs) lovely? And you know what? You don't have to worry about slates or tiles blown off either because that ain't going to happen in your case. And the other thing is, I know with your work, your therapy work and that with people, you mentioned with people arriving to, when you're doing a lot of work on the place and that as well. But within, you have a philosophy in terms, you know, when we go to, and no disrespect, you go to a medical practice or a clinic for treatment, You want to... It's a different vibe with you.
6: It's a different vibe because so much of our knowledge about whatever's bothering us has come from a medical model. Mm. So it's that model of there's something wrong with you and it's measured in terms of prevalence or the number of occurrences or the severity. And it's very scientific and it doesn't give a full picture of what somebody's going through at the time. You know, somebody could be grieving and if they go to the GP and say look I can't get out of bed and I really don't feel I feel so sad and so down that's diagnosed as depression and then you get a prescription and for a lot of people that's what they need but also for a lot of other people um, some knowledge around grieving and the stages of grief and the different types of grief and how you'll feel and that it's a bit of a roller coaster. It'll come and go and eventually it'll pass and you'll be able to live with the memory of your loved one. But at that point in time when when they're really suffering and they go to the GP, it's a diagnosis and probably a prescription, you know. Um, So I'm kind of, I suppose, because I've been through a bit of stuff myself and I'm so curious about human behaviour and the different traumas and challenges that we get um, I've kind of always been looking for other ways, and mm. medicine has its uh, a a place and a time for some people, and then for other people, there can be other things. Um, we're also different; we have different needs, we have different sensory profiles. So, a bit of um kind of exploration on that, um, yeah. to find out what each individual person needs, um. And I'm so curious about people. So I I love when they when they come and tell me their stories and we dig around and we find out, well, what's been good for you in the past? What brought you joy? And, um, you know, even like I was listening to to Kyle earlier and Mm. in my mind, he's a music therapist. You know, he's bringing joy to people and uh, how lovely that must be for a five year old to experience that and for parents to experience that.
1: And, and I can tell you I experienced it here sitting across from him in the studio today you know the there's the, electricity comes from that man and you're right you're right it, it, it is a therapy it, it's wonderful you say well I have to come back to you I'm going to come back to you but you say you had uh, stuff going on my god I, I just look at you high flyer in marketing with Sachi and Sachi in New York City home you come you have your children you do the family thing <laughs> you're at something else and then you do a completely Yui into this area because of a couple of traumas in your life do you feel at this stage now look we have only a minute or so left I'm going to go back to you do you feel that this was sort of nearly set out for you that this is where you were destined to be what you're doing now
6: Yeah I did a business course in Trinity a few years ago and we did a lovely talk from one of the professors and she described careers as mosaics. So all the bits from your life, even though they might seem a bit disconnected, all add up to this one thing now. And I feel very much for me that everything I've done in the past has added up to this point because people would always tell me their life stories from when I was very small. So I just needed to get the qualifications behind being able to professionally listen, Mm.
1: you know. Yes.
6: And But it's a privilege.
1: Oh, sure. Like, you know, people... Place their trust and uh, everything else in, in your hands and, and with you, and it is a very, very, very special uh, place to be. I, I love the name as well, The Thatch. Therapycentre.ie. I even got that out without tongue tying myself there. The Thatched Therapy Centre. Oh, listen, I struggle. I do, to be honest. I've done well. The Thatched Therapy Centre.ie. Check Fiona calling out. She is in County Mead. She is the most beautiful place there, and you'll see more what she uh, does herself. Look, it was an introduction for you today on your local radio station on Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. We'll be back, me and you Fiona, promise.
6: Thank you, look forward to it. Thank you
1: so much for joining us on the show today. Love the chat, take care.
6: Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye. That's Fiona Coyne there. Lovely, lovely lady. I am jealous about that house. I just look at the thatch in it there. It brings me back. They, eh, there ain't too many uh, thatched uh, buildings left in Ireland, never mind here, in the urbanised Anyway, there are some and they're hanging in there. We'll be back to Fiona and on. Eddie Caffrey's on his way with The Drive here on LMFM Radio. That's it for Midweek Late Lunch. We'll be back Thursday from one thirty with the show. Have a lovely evening. Take care of yourselves and we'll see you then.
4: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!"